Hello, everyone. This is Ike Patterson, pastor of Life Care at the Summit Church with another one of our Life Care podcast. And today, going along with our pastor's series on Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, making better choices in our life, we have the rare opportunity of having one of my friends. Dr. Steve Cromer is a professional certified coach through the International Federation of Coaches. He is an executive leadership coach with 30 years of coaching and counseling individuals and companies. Man, that's that's a lot of experience, brother. <laughs> I can't think of a better person to do this than my dear friend from graduate school. We played basketball together, and he so used me. So uh, <laughs> Steve Cromer's Don't a great, great man, and uh, we love him and glad that he's able to do this podcast with us on uh, making better choices, making the significant choices in our life. Steve, welcome. Thank you, Ike. It's great to be with you to reconnect. Appreciate that. So, Steve, how do people live with greater significance, making significant choices when they're already stressed and exhausted from an overloaded life? Well, that's a great question because, you know, an overloaded life and when we're exhausted are actually the times when we make the poorest decisions. So one thing we don't want to do is, uh, is really add, put any pressure on ourselves to do something in the midst of all of that. As a matter of fact, I think we need to do the opposite. We need to remove some of the responsibilities that are on our plates. Uh, but that doesn't happen. And we minimize the chances that we will make good choices when we live out of compulsion rather than out of choice. Mm. Okay, so explain to us a little bit about what you mean by living out of compulsion rather than out of choice. You know, I, uh, it's a good question. I think I can illustrate that best um, by an incident that took place in the life of Jesus towards the beginning of his ministry, actually. We find that in Mark chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, beginning with about, about verse 29, and Jesus was in Capernaum, and he had been teaching in the synagogue. And after that's over, he goes to the home of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And the scripture tells us that she was sick and ill, uh, and he healed her. And then she got up and made them dinner, made a supper for them. And, you know, I remember hearing that sermon when I was a younger man and kind of just the story out of it was, you know, if Jesus touches your life, their proper response is to get up and serve him. While there may be, while there may be some truth to that, I don't think that's what was really intended here because the yeah. story continues on and a couple of things happen after uh, he makes her well. Uh, the people in town hear about it. Again, again it's at the end of, at the end of the day and the scripture says, Mark says, and all of the demon possessed and the sick came to the house and Jesus healed many. Yeah. He didn't heal all of them. It was late, late in the day. He didn't have time for that, for one, uh, but he healed many of them. And then it goes on to say the next morning, a great while before anybody else got up, he went off by himself to pray. <clears throat> and not too long after that, uh, the disciples come to him and I'll quote exactly what they say. They said, Jesus, where have you been? Everybody's looking for you. And I don't know about you, Ike, but I was kind of bred growing up. If, <laughs> and it was hardwired into me that if somebody says to me, Steve, everybody's looking for you. 
my first assumption is, well, I better go. You know, yeah, they was, need you. Yeah, they need me. And uh, so I just kind of been an automatic things. But it's really interesting what Jesus does in that moment. He looks at his disciples and these are his exact words. He says, uh, let's go somewhere else huh. to other towns and villages because I've been called to preach the gospel there also. Wow. And, you know, here's a guy, the night before he had healed so many sick people and demon-possessed people and changed their lives forever. And he had the opportunity to go back and do that again. He couldn't do it all the night before. And, and gosh, I mean, he turned that down. His disciples came. They were expecting to. You know, they were just kind of feeling that anxiety about everybody back here. All these people have showed up. we got to do something about it. But he makes a choice, and he chooses to live responsibly, uh, you know, in response to the will of his father, the wisdom of his father. Living out of compulsion is really living reactively. That is living in response to the emotions, to the wills, to the needs of others. Wow. And that's what most of us do far more often wow. than, we th- than we think. Steve, that is so good. So how do we go about living more out of choice and living responsively? How do, how do we do that? Well, you know, there's a couple of things that we can actually learn from Jesus in the story. And Jesus, one, he did the hard work of being very clear about what he needed to do. Hmm. And secondly, he created space in his life to receive that clarity. Okay, let's, uh, so let's unpack that. What, what uh, Can you say more about the first one, about being clear? Yeah. Um, as, if we think about it, clarity is the antidote to compulsion. Clarity is absolutely essential for making wise choices. Hmm. But being clear is so hard. It really is hard work. Yeah. And most of us don't do it. Uh, it's much easier to do what other people want us to do, to do what they expected to do, to do what we've always done. And the result is that we live overloaded, overcommitted, stressful lives out of living out of that compulsion. I mean, so managers who are in a position to... Uh, to really influence people and help develop their thinking. Instead, you know, just kind of operate out of an assumption. I see this all the time um, in working with managers. And people come to them and they say, you know, what do you want me to do in this circumstance? And because they're at the top, because they're getting paid more money, they think their job is just to go ahead and answer the question and give direction. And that works short term. So they give an answer, the yeah. person goes away and does it. But the next time something else comes up, that person's coming back again. And others are coming back. And it creates this dependency. Instead of them thinking through, what kind of outcomes do I want for my direct reports? Do I want them to be able to think? Do I want them to uh, be creative? And so turning that around, instead of responding with direction, going, well, what has it occurred to you to do? What seems to be the best approach for you, you're there on the field. What resources do you need just to help them develop their thinking? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we do it as parents. We just kind of, most folks that I've encountered, when I ask parents and I've taught parenting classes, um, I don't know how many years, but I'll ask them, what, what kind of goal do you have uh, for your child? 
in terms of their development? What are you trying to create in them? And most parents don't think about that. They Mm -hmm. think about keeping their child safe. They think about getting them an education. They think about, uh, well, they don't even think about it. They just go around responding. If they get hurt, they try to make them feel better. If things get hard, they try to make it easier for them. But they're not thinking through what kind of uh, emotionally mature person, responsible person, loving person are we trying to develop here? And once I get clear about that, then I can start to choose, well, how am I going to react to this situation? Am I going to let them hurt for a little bit? Am I going to let them struggle? Because something will be learned in the struggle. Mm -hmm. But most of us, almost in every area of life, um, spend too too little time getting clarity. I got to tell one one story, and I'll try to honor our time here. No, please do. But um, one of my clients... This was a few years ago now. Um, I was my manager in a company. I was working with him on his professional stuff, but these always tie into the personal life as well. So during one session, he was up and we said, you know, I just, things are really tough at home. I got three kids. I'm out so many nights. My wife is frustrated. Things are piling up at home. I've got all these projects I'm not getting to. Uh, I feel a little disconnected from the kids. And so, so tell me about what's what's going on. And it turns out that he was gone because he would commit to other people. Yes, I'll come over this evening and help you with that. Sure, I'll help coach that, even though my kid's not playing. You need some people were just saying, I need you. I need you. I need you. Yeah. And he, he, t- he made this statement to me, he said, Steve, I can't say I have a hard time saying no. Yes. <laughs> and I said, no, you don't. You say no every day. That's right. You're just saying it to the wrong people. That's right. And he hadn't thought about it like that. And I said, so what would it take? What needs to shift in you? What do you, what do you value most? Do you value most of these people thinking well of you? Or do you value being connected with your kids or getting things done around your house? What would happen in your life if that load of projects was off of you, if you were well connected to your wife and to your children and she felt like she had a partner? What, what difference would that make for you? And of course it made all the difference, but he hadn't even thought he had no clarity around how, what he was committing to, mm-hmm. around what he valued, around what was his strengths even. Mm-hmm. So um, that is just hard work. Mm-hmm. And as a leadership coach, you, you ask the golden question over and over again, what do I need to do right now to be in a better place? Um, yes. And you were saying, if I start taking things off my place, if I were to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to take off my plate? What would I give up? Those are the kind of questions that you would challenge us to ask. Yes. Yeah. For clarity. Exactly. You know, when we're feeling the stress over something, just to stop and think for a moment, who needs to be feeling the stress for this problem besides me? Yes. I mean, we take on automatically anxiety. It's like a baton runner in a relay race. And the person who is running up behind you full speed, they come along and they hand off to a baton to the next runner. And that runner takes off. And the one who let go of the baton, he gets to rest. He doesn't have to do anymore. Well, if you've ever had anybody call you up last minute, the night before they've got a project due and say, I, man, I've been struggling with this project, which means they've been putting it off for a while. It's, you know, I can't get anywhere. I need some help with this. Do you have any ideas? Uh, 
<laughs> and you stop thinking you were perfectly fine, but all of a sudden your your wheels are turning. And you may say, well, you know, I, could, I guess I could give a call to so-and-so and maybe I could type up something and send it over to you. And they go, thanks, man. <laughs> they, hang up, they hang up the phone feeling so much better. And now you've got the burden. Yes. Did you think about taking that baton? And most of us don't. Uh, That's right. We do what Jesus didn't did not do when he said, let's go somewhere else. He didn't take that baton. Okay, so talk about that second thing, Steve. You said Jesus did the work of being very clear about what he needed to do, but he secondly created space to receive clarity. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Yeah, and I think most of us, if we just step back for a moment, we realize how we fail to create margin in Uh our day. We fill up the calendar with activities and meetings. But not only that, we fill up silent spaces with our phones. We're, we're either calling or texting or looking at social media, watching videos, gaming, Googling something. We fidget too much to be still long enough to be curious, mm. or to think about next steps, or to think about what we value, or to even think about what is our body telling us in this moment or to think about the outcomes we want to see for ourselves and for others. Mm. And as a result, we waste so many hours spinning our wheels really on things that are making no difference in our lives, and we fail to plan, and we shoulder a lot of burden that rightly should be shared by others. Yes. You'll notice also that when Jesus was so clear in his resolve to go to other towns to preach and heal, he was prepared uh, to meet any resistance that might come his way. And this is incredibly significant for all of us who want to make better choices. Because when we make better choices for ourselves and it kind of goes against what other people expect, we will get resistance. Yes. And that will derail us mm-hmm. from our efforts. Mm-hmm. So, how how do we go about doing this? How how do we make the uh, the significant choices that we need to make, rather than being wrapped up? I think what you've described this is uh, the disciples came to Jesus with the tyranny of the urgent. We need to handle this because it's urgent. Mm-hmm. But Jesus said it's not important, uh, or it's not purposeful for what my plan in life is. So. How, how do we go about doing this, making significant choices? Yeah. Well, there is um, one is, is, is just creating that space mm. to be clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talk about quiet times, for example, setting aside a quiet time in our life. But rarely do we have a quiet time, really, because it becomes a checkoff list of just something else we're going to do. But it's not space just to be quiet, to think before the Lord. We read something, we do something, we check something off. But we are really unchanged because we're oftentimes no clearer about what's important. We're no clearer about what's the next step here. We're no clearer about what's a different outcome I could shoot for between the one I'm automatically shooting for other than the one I'm automatically shooting for. And so... uh, we don't even get clear about, okay, I'm going to make this decision, but how am I going to deal with resistance? Because yeah. I, this is, this is the, the greatest thing in the end, uh, because we can get clear about what we want to do, and we can actually attempt to do that. 
But when others around us um, say, say to us, what do you mean you're not going to do that? Don't you care? Yes. <laughs> How can you be so selfish? <laughs> and, and so we get hooked and we go, well, we begin to question what we were thinking about. That's just part of resistance. And it comes 100% of the time, not 25 or not 50, not 70, but 100% <laughs> of the time. When you begin to change and when you begin to make healthier choices, yes. you will have both external resistance and internal resistance. Mm. Now, the external resistance, let me give you an example of that. There was a, um, a, a man that, that came to me, had a 27-year-old son, and his son just uh, was, he was having to support him too much. He was paying for his apartment. He was paying for his utility bills. He was paying his car payment. But he did not want the son living in his house. And so he was willing to pay that price, but he got tired of paying this price. He would even talk to his friends and got his friends to hire the son. The son would work two weeks to four weeks, and then he'd quit. Ah. Say, nobody likes me. This is not what I like doing. And he'd give a reason, and his dad would have to continue bailing out. Well, after several cycles of doing this, he felt so stuck because – You know, whenever he tried to get free from his son, his son would rope him back in in the form of neediness. Mm -hmm. And so that was the external resistance until he got prepared to say, "Okay, you know what? You're 27. I give the responsibility for your life back to you. What you do with it is up to you. You can go hungry. You can live in a car. You can do whatever. But this is your life to live. I'll be sad. I'll confess I'll be worried about you but I'm not going to live your life doing this for you. And uh, that was a very difficult thing to do because he had internal resistance for one, because he felt guilty. He felt guilty. He hadn't been the father he should have had. He should have been. He felt guilty that his son might experience pain and suffering. Um, He felt guilty because while he knew that was right, on the other hand, he felt it was selfish. He did have the money, even though, he was approaching retirement, and if that pattern kept going, he wasn't going to have anything to live on either. Hmm. But then the external resistance, because when he started to do that, he came back to me. He said, well, I tried this, but you know, my, my son just accused me of not loving him, uh, of being selfish, uh, <laughs> and only caring about him, not me. So, uh, hmm. so we had to work through that. That was the external resistance. Right. Of course he's going to do that because that's a way to keep things in place. That's exactly right. You know, uh, so, uh, so you're going to face that. So doing that work, one of getting clear, just about what would God have you to do? Um, what are my values? What are the strengths that I have that I can leverage here? Hmm. What do I, what needs to shift so that I can be in a better place? Mm-hmm. What, um, you know, what outcome am I actually working for? I mean, like a lot of people will say they'll make a choice, but it won't be a clear choice. They'll make a choice. Well, I'm going to have a conversation. It can be with a family member. It can be a coworker and it's going to be a tough conversation. They can finally summon up the nerve. I know I need to have it, but they don't really get clear before they have it about what kind of outcome they expect to have. Mm-hmm. What do I want here? Do I want just simply to be understood? Do I want to work for some resolution? What would resolution look like? Um, how, can I, how can I have a tough conversation and still honor the values that are still important to me? 
How can I negotiate and not walk away feeling like I've given everything away, but I still have claimed what's important to me while recognizing what's important for this other person. It's a win-win. So doing, That's right. Yeah. So doing that work of getting clear uh, is necessary and then creating the space for that to get that clarity and then thinking ahead about how will I overcome the resistance that will drag you back down to living out of compulsion. In other words, out about what others want you because you know it's going to come. Mm-hmm. So we're foolish when we don't plan ahead for that. Uh, and go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and wisdom comes from being uh, aware of our tendency and, and of our tendencies and of our uh, patterns where we get stuck in this, and we constantly make compulsive decisions rather than purposeful decisions. Steve, so I yeah. so appreciate you sharing with us. This is insightful. Uh, it's wisdom. Uh, and we wouldn't expect anything else from you, brother. So we're grateful for your time. And uh, let me ask you this one final question. If somebody ha- has heard this and they actually want to talk with you or they want to consider hiring you, how do they go about getting in touch with you? Uh, written form is the best way uh, because I cannot always answer the phone, right? I'm either right. with clients or or I've also got another business that I run. And uh, so by text or by email, and I can be texted at 843-602-1923, hmm. or I can be emailed at steve at stevecromercoaching.com, S-T-E-V-E-C-R-O-M-E-R, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com. Okay. And that website, by the way, for all of you who are listening, Steve has all kinds of resources. Um, He has uh, some suggestions about uh, uh, decisions that we make in life as an executive coach. So you can go to stevecromer.com and get, or stevecromercoaching.com and get that information off his website too. Brother, thank you so much for your time this morning and for sharing with us and making significant choices in our lives. Thank you, Ike. It's a pleasure to be with you and all the best in your great work at, at the church, Summit Church as well. Thank you, buddy. All will right. you pray for us before we leave? I sure will. Be glad to. Our Father and our God, it's you are... You are so greater than we imagine. You do so so much more than we ask or think. We often fail to even be clear about your sovereignty, that you are constantly lifting us up and you are calling us to a place of thinking. Jesus does that. Consider, think about the lilies of the field. Think about the birds of the air. Think about how much God cares for you more than these things. You, you say, oh, Father, to us through your servant Paul, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You say to us through the prophet Isaiah, come, let us reason together to get into our thinking. Thank you, oh, Father, for inviting us to a thinking place yes. for, so that we won't be tossed to and fro by various doctrines or even the storms of life, but we would have a center that's in you and your will and your design for our lives. Pray, O oh Father, that you, you bless and encourage those who are listening today that you work mightily 
through the continuing ministry of the Summit Church and uh, bless their leaders and all who support them in their work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.